0: How's everybody doing this morning? You're good. Oh that was that was not the crazy response I was expecting. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah. There's so much to, to be just celebrating as as we get here together. And I know that uh we've talked about just the cosmetics and things happening, you know, the new sign out front that I think is is turned out so well. We got construction and paint coming. But also, again, the barbecue yesterday, that was so much fun. You know, there was a lot of people here um, eating food, hanging out. Got to meet a lot of new people. Um, Even this morning, I've met some some people that I haven't got to talk to before. And it's just, I I love being around people. And I love that we get to come here and celebrate together every Sunday. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me online. And uh, it's just, there's a lot to celebrate here as, as we keep going. So, um, if you would, and you have your Bibles or your digital Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to dive in there in a little bit. 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, as you're turning there, kind of recap a little bit. We started talking about growing. And how do we, how do we grow in our, our walk with Jesus? So the three words that we're really uh, focused on in this season are gather, grow, and go. We talked about gathering, the importance of getting together. We've talked about going and kind of how we go into our community and different mission fields. And even next year, we'll be going into um, Mexico at, at one point. We're working out the details on that. But actual missions trip as a church, and it's, it's going to be fun. And now uh, we're talking about growing. How are we going to continue to grow personally, not just numerically as a church, but personally, deeper spiritually as individuals and as a church as well. Now, I, I used this, um, this saying last week. It says this. I didn't write this, but, um, but, I, but I love how it kind of talks about a big, big thing on growing together. It says this, healthy things grow, growing things change. Change is difficult. Difficulties tr- cause us to trust God. Trusting God calls us to obedience. Obeying God makes us healthy, and healthy things grow. Now, maybe you can be like me, and when it comes to trying to focus on something, specifically this, you can get very easily distracted is there anybody here that, I'm not alone, right? You just, you, you get distracted. Something happens, you, you can't multitask very well because you, it turns into singular tasks, but like 30 seconds of singular tasking, right? Do this, then you do that, then you do that. You just kind of go all over the place. My mind does that. So the question then is, how do we grow and not get distracted? How do we set focus time to do this and not get pulled in a million different directions? My mind works fast. And all the time people tell me, man, I, you know, I was listening to your message, and you talk really fast, I know I do, sorry, not sorry, I work on it. Believe it or not, I used to talk a lot faster. So, but it takes a conscious effort for me to slow down because my mind just starts spinning and going and, and you can probably tell when I get real excited because then I'll really start speeding up. But I can also get distracted really, really easily. Um, I, I'm always, you know, the, the next greatest thing comes in, and I can jump from task to task, the conversation to conversation real quick and lose track of what I was doing, and I have to try and circle back to get there. And I'm not the, oral, the, the only person that does this, but um, some, there's a horrible, giant Q word that my wife loves that I hate. The quiet. I can't stand the quiet. When, when things get quiet, I get uneasy. I love the noise. I love the distraction. I'm the person who in my office I'll have music going all the time or I'll, I'll have just something on in the background. The, the White noise means a lot to me. And when it's totally quiet, I'm like, something's off. Something's wrong. And everything can be totally fine, but it's just it's hard for me to focus in the quiet. Um, people have asked me, honestly, if I have ADD. And I know people that, have, that do have ADD and work through it. And I say, no, actually, I think I have ADDD. It's attention deficit disorder deliberately. It's hard for me to focus. Things take my attention, and I'm guilty of honestly letting things take my attention on purpose. But where this is really going for me, though, and I think for us as a church, is when we try to practice, I I need to practice exactly what I'm going to talk on today. Growing in Jesus, but more importantly, focused growing. And how do we overcome spiritual ADD? Things that, things that really take our mind off of the, the focus that we know we need to have and where we need to grow. Now, have you ever felt like sometimes maybe talking with God can seem like a boxing match? Not, not just in the, in the sake of, you know, you feeling like you're getting told you need to change something, but but in the mind of, like, getting hit and getting distracted with different things. Like, maybe you feel like you're more beat up at the end of a prayer than you feel blessed sometimes. And it's because your mind may work like this. You, you get down, you're like, okay, God, God, thank you so much for this day oh man, today, I've got so much to do today. And your mind just starts going off what we need to do today. I've got that appointment I need to focus on. I've got the laundry I gotta do. I've gotta get the kids one place. I've got that appointment. Okay, sorry, okay, God, focus. So you come back. Like, okay, sorry, God. Thank you for all the blessed things that you've, you've sent my way. And then you go, but I'm still really upset that that promotion went to that guy and not me. Even though I know I'm blessed, but I still want to do this. Okay, and so you get distracted again, and this is a common story. People tell me this when you're when they're praying, they just they can get distracted, or <clears throat> or it comes into okay, um, God, focus back. Thank you for my uh, the missionary friends in Papua New Guinea and Papa John sounds really good right now. I want some pizza, so thank you for the food and and my missionary friends. Or um, wow, God, it is it is late. I got to pick up the kids from school. They're waiting for me. I'm guilty of always picking up my daughter last from school. Okay, God, good talk. Talk to you later. And, and your prayer turns into a, a jumble of distractions because maybe you have a hard time staying focused on that. And you think, oh man, maybe I should have prayed longer. Or you leave your prayer life thinking, that wasn't nearly what I wanted to say because things took my mind. Or maybe it was a very practical thing that took over. You, you sit down, you say, hey, I'm going to pray. But then someone comes in and starts talking. It just kind of takes away what your focus was. And you know, I really think Disney played it best. How things can distract. Go ahead, go ahead and check this out. Maybe you're like that, you know, you're you're focused and squirrel, something just shoots you away. I resonated with that movie so well on that part because that is how my mind works. I can be in on something and in an instant, I'm gone. But how do we now avoid this in our spiritual life? Now, maybe if you resonated with that, this is for you. In a recent poll done, 84% of Americans said that they have a quiet time or that they pray at least once a week. But the more you add to that, the number declines. It drops to 60% when you ask people, do you pray at least twice a week? It drops to 34% when you ask people, do you pray at least three times a week? And it goes down further and further from there. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, this is extremely relevant and we're going to talk about how to focus on this frustration that could be called spiritual ADD. I want to talk about how we can do this with God. And the desire is not the problem. I think, I, I think we can all say that we desire to grow. We desire to have this, this relationship with God that is good and booming and flourishing. So it's not the desire that's the issue. It's more of the how because we get caught up so much in day-to-day tasks and in the business and then the distractions. We can have the best intentions, but easily get distracted from what we want to do. It's not purposeful. It's not a, I will not do it attitude. It's more of a, I forgot or I got distracted attitude. So the question is, why can prayer be hard? Why can prayer be so hard? Why is this something that we struggle with when we say, I'm going to sit down and pray? Sometimes even just that phrase can cause some people to be like, oh man, this is just, I'm already frustrated. I haven't even started yet and I don't know what to do. Prayer can be hard if we don't know how to hear God as well as how to speak. Prayer can be hard if we don't know how to hear as well as how to speak. I think one of the reasons, honestly, people struggle with prayers is because not only do they not know what to say, but sometimes we don't know how to hear. We don't know exactly what we're listening for or, or what God's trying to tell us in certain things. You may have sat down with someone and you have a conversation. Now, have you ever had a conversation with someone where you, try, you, you ask a question and you get like a, a two-word answer and then it's just like dead space? Okay, so we ask another question. are like, oh yeah, that's great. And then it's dead space, and it's kind of like, oh boy. Seems like a one-sided conversation. And sure enough, instead of having a fun conversation, it turns into, how do I end this conversation? How do I get out of this? I gotta move on. It can be a little awkward, right? Well, well just think, if sometimes if we have those conversations and it's awkward with people, how awkward can it be if we're trying to talk to, to God? So, you know, if it's awkward with someone that you can, you can see, you can, you can touch, and hopefully you're not touching random people in conversations, that could be really weird. <clears throat> but if, if it's awkward to have that conversation with somebody, how awkward could it be then if, if you've never tried to do it before or you struggle with it and you know there, there's God right there but you can't necessarily see him sitting next to you, you can't feel him sitting next to you. It can make it a little awkward if you don't know how to do it or what you're looking for. It's a really cool thing that when we learn what to look for, when we learn what to listen for, it makes prayer time, I believe, really, really exciting. It makes something that we get excited for because we can see how we can grow. And it really, uh, I get excited thinking about it because I know and I've seen and I've felt personally what happens when we dedicate that time to God. So First Kings 19, 11 to 13 says this. It's all in the context of trying to listen and how to hear from God. It says this, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, Elijah, in this context, had just called down fire from heaven. If you're familiar with the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, you know, real quick, these prophets were praising a false god. Elijah challenges them to a, basically a show-off. You pray to your God, I'll pray to mine. And God shows up and shows that all the prophets of Baal were wrong. So Elijah does this, proves that God's real, and now there's a real bad woman, the queen, Jezebel, she is out for Elijah's head. She's angry at what he just did. So Elijah is running and he's hiding and he's crying out to hear from God in this moment. It's one of those, God, I just did what you said and things were great, and now things are really hard. Where are you? And so God says, I'm going to talk to you. But I love this. When God wanted to talk to him, I love all the things that Elijah sees. He sees fire, he sees an earthquake, he, he feels the, the wind. But God isn't in those amazing things that he sees. Where is God when he sees him? He's in the still small voice. God can be in that still, small voice. I love this. Sometimes we have this expectation that when we, when we pray or we have quiet time, we can expect this massive, booming voice to come down from heaven and say, you must do this, or hi, how are you? And you, you expect this, this big, audible thing. And I'm not saying that can never happen and that will never happen, because in Scripture, we clearly see it happen at times, but we also see the exact opposite. We see someone here who is looking for a massive miracle sign and God shows him all these things and says, right now, I'm not in those, I'm right here. I'm quiet, just calm down, be quiet and listen. In, in scripture, we see Samuel and that's an example of God clearly calling him out. Samuel is, is just a boy and he hears, hears his voice saying, Samuel, and Samuel thinks it's somebody else. That's how audible it is. And Samuel has to stop and listen and go, oh, this really is God talking to me. So we see that, but also we see God in the still, small voice when when Elijah has to remove himself from all the madness around him, all the distractions, the fire, the earthquake, the wind, remove himself from these things, and he hears the still, small, quiet voice of God. When we start to understand all the different ways that God can speak to us, I truly believe that can help us keep focused on being intentional with our time with God. Because we know that he speaks in so many different ways. And it can keep us from being disappointed. If we didn't experience something, we don't have to be disappointed. We can stay focused because we know he could be speaking some way else. He could be talking in a much different way. Last week we said this phrase. We said we need to understand that God wants us to grow in spiritual maturity. He wants us to learn how to focus. And he has methods that are designed to foster that growth. And These are all important. See, God loves you just the way you are, but that doesn't mean he wants you to stay exactly where you are, which is why focused growth is so important. I like to think of, um, of our kids, right? We look at our kids, and I know we love our kids the way that they are. Maybe not every second of every day, depending on, you know, if it's bedtime or broccoli eating time or something like that. But, you know, we love our kids. We love them the way they are, but we still want to see them grow. We want to see them grow in in size. We want to see them grow in maturity. We want to see them grow in in their relationship with God as well. I think God looks at us the same way. He loves you where you are, but that doesn't mean he's calling you to stay where you are. He wants to see you move forward. God wants you to grow. And as we look in the Bible, we can see some really great examples of some people in Scripture who went through amazing growth. And we see that some of the biggest spiritual disciplines that these people had when they grew, they spent time with God, they had prayer and they read scripture. They had prayer, and they read scripture. And this definitely is something that should take place in community. But today, I'm going to specifically talk about having a quiet time with God, or this big S word that drives me nuts. I said it last week, solitude. Having some time of solitude with God. Now, for me, being an expert, I know I say the same thing when I say solitude. I shout out no. I meet weekly with a group of pastors, and we're reading a book called Out of Solitude. Now, when this book first got recommended to me, just the title, Out of Solitude, I was excited because I thought it meant getting out of solitude. And I was like, oh, I'm in, and then the first chapter was all about what you get out of solitude, and I thought, oh no, this book's gonna challenge me man, I don't want to do that. It's all about spending time with Jesus. It's all about looking at how Jesus spent time in solitude, how different people in the Bible spent time in solitude, and how when they did that, it became something they looked forward to because it filled them, and it fueled them. And from that solitude, they went to do amazing things. And I was like, this book is going to drive me crazy. Not only because it's going to tell me to get in solitude, but because it's right. <laughs> because, it, because I don't want to do it. And I know that God really challenges us to do things often that we don't want to do, but it's going to be healthy. It's going to challenge it. It's going to grow you. And all throughout scripture, we see people who practice this. A handful of them are found here. In Genesis 19, 27, it says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Some of you freak out right when it says early the next morning, if you're not an early person, right? But Abraham got up early and went away to stand before God. In Daniel chapter 6, it says, When Daniel learned from the decree that had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Daniel went away somewhere to his room where he could stand before God with nobody else. Acts chapter 9 says, about noon the following day, they were on their journey approaching the city. Peter went up on the roof to pray. And Peter's with a caravan of people, and what does he do? Goes separately to go pray. He has the importance of his community, but he also knows, I've got to get away and spend time with God myself. Mark chapter 1 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, again, that early thing, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Obviously, these guys and so many others over the past 2,000 years have found that spending time with God was not something that was draining. It was a disciplinary thing that they did. They took time and effort to go do it, but it wasn't exhausting. This was exhilarating for these people. This was something that really fueled them up. Over the years, I've learned to, to practice you know, spiritual, practical habits that have transformed my time with God into something that, that it's not just something I can't wait for, It's something I know I can't live without. It it just feels, it gets to the point now where I just feel off if I haven't started my morning reading Scripture, started my morning having a conversation with God. But having said that, I still have to discipline myself to do it. It's really, really easy to wake up in the mornings and just go into the day-to-day task, come to the office, and realize I've got too many things to do and not have time to spend with God. It doesn't happen on its own. This is something that has to be done intentional, not just for me, but for us. I think we all have to take that step and say this is something intentional and we have to overcome that spiritual ADD factor, right? We've got to put effort and focus into it. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard the, the phrase quiet time before. Um, if you haven't grow, grown up in church, maybe this could be a new phrase for you, but, but I'm going to give us all a definition kind of to go off of with quiet time. So a quiet time, This is the daily time I set aside to be alone with God to get to know him through the Bible and prayer. Daily time I set aside to be alone with God to get to know him through the Bible and prayer. This spiritual habit, I I believe this is so critical to anyone looking to grow in their walk with God. So critical for anybody because we were designed to have a relationship with God. God didn't create us and then say, now go fit in for yourself, you know, see you in heaven someday. He want, he's here with us this whole time, and he wants to build this relationship. It's critical that we take that step towards him as well and make this a priority. And when we have this time with God, this, in the, this is where we receive our source of strength. This is really where we receive like our marching orders for, for the next phase of our life, maybe even for that day. It's where we grow closer in our relationship with our maker. And nobody modeled this better than Jesus. He was the ultimate example of the importance of getting away and spending time with his father now when jesus went out to have his quiet time this is right before he's going to be crucified he still went to have quiet time the time before god luke uh, 22 verses 42 to 44 says this this is jesus praying but he knows that his crucifixion is coming he says father if you are willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground This is an incredibly powerful verse because we see Jesus, the one who he knows his time is coming, what he's going to endure. He knows it's going to happen. And he has this prayer where he says, God, if you're willing, if there's any other way, let's go that other way. But he says, amazing phrase, he says, but not your will, my will, but yours be done. And I love that an angel appears and gives him strength in that moment. What we see through quiet time, man, time with God can drain us from our own weakness, and it can fill us with God's strength. Jesus knew right there where he was getting weak. He was, like, it was, he was so afraid, his sweat was like blood. And an angel came and gave him strength. I love that. The same thing can happen for us. It can drain us of our weakness and give us God's strength. Time with God drains me of my own will, and it fills me with God's will. I love that Jesus even acknowledges this in his prayer. He says, this is not my will I'm praying for. This is your will. And the more we spend time with God, we get to see that. We get to see that happening in our own lives. We say, God, you know what? It's time for me to put less of me in the forefront and more of you in the forefront. Less of me, more of you. And that's what quiet time helps us focus on with Jesus. Quiet time drains me of me and fills me with God. Quiet time drains me of me and fills me with God. <clears throat> man, pride is a big thing, isn't it? Pride is just something, I, I, know, I know I struggle with it. I had it right there when I was talking about how much I dominate in the youth. I'm proud of how much I dominate in youth on Thursdays, right? But I know that when we pray, and that's just a fun example, but when we pray, God really does allow us to get less of us in the forefront of our life and more of him. And that's an amazing thing when we see what he's laid out for us because of it. So today, we're gonna get real practical, on overcoming spiritual ADD. Real practical by letting God speak to you through his word and experience powerful times of prayer. And we're going to break down some steps. Some of you guys may not be new to this. This may be a refresher. You go, oh, I know that. But, but I think a refresher is a good thing at times. And some of you maybe haven't heard these things before. And I would encourage you to take some notes here because I think that with some of these steps, if we, if we really change our focus, it's going to help us overcome distractions because we have a plan. And uh, man, when, when, you, when you set a goal, and you have a plan to go it's easier to make but if you don't set a goal man you'll if not setting a goal you'll hit that non-goal 100% of the time right if you don't set it so let's make a plan and let's go through it now Joshua 1:8 says this keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written on it then you will be prosperous and successful so i love this we're, we're promised that if we if we take this book of the law we take god's word we apply it then God says, you'll be prosperous and successful. Now, not maybe what we think an earthly prosperous and an earthly successful, but what God has in plan for you, he says, this is how you're gonna prosper. This is how you will find success, and it's all through him and not us. Now, New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hawaii created a really cool acronym that we're gonna go through in a second on spending quiet time with God and how to start reading and spending time in scripture. But before we even dive into that, I wanna give you guys some real practical tools before you dive into scripture. Are you ready? Let's get real practical. The first thing to get when you say, all right, I'm going to spend some time with God, a pen or a pencil. First thing you get, a pen or a pencil. <clears throat> be ready to write. Don't get discouraged if you don't like to write. I promise that this is going to be important and good. But get something to write stuff down with. We all need to be uh, prepared as we intentionally put forth this effort, right, to dive in and do something. So get, get a pen, get a pencil, be ready to write something down. Second, get the notebook. Don't write on your desk. Don't write on your hand. Get, get something tangible you can write on, right? Something. Uh, there's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Seriously, when you read the Bible, you're trying to remember things. But when you're studying, take some notes down. Take some, you know, we're going to write down some highlights, and we're going to break down exactly what to write down in a second. But we remember so much more when we write things down than we do if we just try to remember it. And you know, we all have those moments where someone says something like, yeah, I'll remember that. Five minutes later, it's gone, right? Nope. Forgot it. I mean, I experience it. You know, I'll I'll ask um, I'll ask even you know my, my kids. You know, hey, what did you learn in church today? Jesus, Jesus. Um, or you know, I've experienced even growing up in church. You know, someone would ask me, hey, what did the pastor talk about on Sunday? This is two days later. You're like, oh man, I know I was there. I was there and I was listening when I was there. But it's gone. But simply writing something down. Even if it's just a few key points, I mean, just those few words can all of a sudden really help you remember something you, you heard or just one one phrase can help you remember everything maybe. So get ready to write something down. When we study, we're gonna be able to look back on what God was telling us. And third, get your Bible and a reading plan. A Bible and a reading plan. I talk uh, to so many people that, that have said this um, that, that they love when it's their quiet time, they just open the Bible, randomly pick a passage, and start reading. And And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I personally don't think it's the best thing for a number of reasons. I would never tell someone, don't do that, like if that's what they do, and it's working for you, great. But I think if you really structure things, then we can overcome uh, the, the spiritual ADD or the distractions because you have a plan set, something you want to do. <clears throat> Now, Joshua talks about we're called to do everything written in it. And I think sometimes if we skip around, there's a lot of context we can miss. So I'm a fan of getting a plan that's really going to unpack something in full that you get to study through. So once you have your tools now, again, getting practical, there's an acronym that I know um, teenagers specifically may not be familiar with, but it's called SOAP. The acronym is called SOAP. If you have teens, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Did you wash your hands? Yeah, with SOAP. SOAP helps us get started, and I think it really helps us keep focused, so when we actually dive into a reading plan or or time to study Scripture, this breaks it down and makes it really, really easy to do. So the first part, we're going to break down SOAP together. The first part is the S. The S stands for Scripture. The really, I mean, the trickiest part, right? You're going to write down in your journal, SOAP, Scripture, what are you going to write down? What are you going to read that day? That's what you're going to write down. What are you reading that day? I'm not telling you to write down word for word the entire passage. That could take a whole lot of time. But just write down the passage. What are you specifically going to read in that moment? For example, you might write down John three sixteen, or Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And we're going to use that a little bit as we kind of break down this soap thing together. But there's no tris- no tricks, no hard tasks. This is simply just write down the scripture. What are you going to read? Write down the passage for that day. Now it gets a little deeper. Then you write down the letter O. The O stands for observation. Again, this is, this is maybe not the hard part, but as you read scripture, you're going to write down what are you kind of seeing unfolding. This is kind of the, the who's, who's getting written about here, the what's going on, where, where is this taking place? It's kind of the, the blanket observations of what's happening. Who are they talking to? When is this taking place? You try to see everything you can about that particular passage, right? Now, in a verse you're reading, you may not know all the information off the bat, and that's okay. But just write down what you see at face value. What is going on in front of you? For starters, write down that, just that. What is right in front of you? And as you do it more often, then you'll start to understand maybe more history and context, and you can find things called commentaries that can help you unpack it. But for the starting part, just write down exactly what you see. Now, Ephesians 2.1, for example, says that we were all at one time dead in our transgressions. So maybe you write that down man my trans-, my trans my transgressions have caused me to be dead and then you, and then you see in verse 5 in Ephesians 2 that it says God made us alive so you write that down i was dead in transgressions life comes from jesus and again these are not necessarily crazy things yet you're just writing down exactly what you see happening in this this will help you stay focused then as you've written down your observations so you you have your passage now right you wrote down what you're going to what you're reading the things you see it says then we get real practical But this is such a big part of it. The A stands for application. This simply means, it's the big question of the day for a quiet time though, right? What are you going to do about it? You read a passage, you saw what's going on, so what are you going to do about it? The Bible, I believe, is not just for information, but the Bible really is for transformation, not just information, not transformation. It does, it's not just head knowledge and head work that we want Scripture to do. We want it to translate into our heart. We want Scripture to really turn into heart work for our lives. Instead of going through Ephesians 2 or whatever passage you're looking at, I guess the real challenge is let the Scripture really go through you. Don't say, I'm going through this. Say, I'm going to let this really go through me. I'm going to apply this now to my life. For example, you could write something with Ephesians 2 that we, we kind of skimmed through real fast. You say, hey, because Christ raised me from the death or from the dead, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to thank God because he did this for me and I couldn't do it by myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell someone what I learned today. Or an application is maybe I'm going to pray for someone who hasn't experienced this Christ-changed life. I'm going to pray for them that they do get to experience this life. That's how we let the word transform and move through us instead of just staying in our heads. We get to live it out. Application really is the key in looking how we apply things into our life. And it also helps us keep our focus and not get distracted. When we read something expecting I'm going to take something from it, then we really have that, that mindset where I'm going to learn. I'm going to try and listen to God. And this is something I think that really gets multiplied when we really do apply it and we see the fruits of of the labor that God did for us and and our part to play in it. That's what gets it really exciting when you see God moving. And then lastly, when you have your application down, write down the letter P and P stands for prayer. We want to respond to what we just learned. We want to respond to what God is, is doing and what we're learning about him. What are we going to ask God for now that we've done this? What are, what are we going to focus on now? How are we going to apply what we just learned in relation to him? What are we going to ask for? Are we going to ask for more patience? Be careful if you ask for more patience because he'll give you opportunities to show it. Are we going to ask for more focus, more understanding? Maybe the verses you read were all about praise. And you don't need to ask for anything. You just need to take some time and pray and praise God for that. <clears throat> Focused prayer also helps with spiritual ADD. Focused prayer also helps with spiritual ADD. I know that we talk about you know sometimes during prayer how you can lose focus real fast, right? I know that when I was younger, if someone was praying, and maybe you have kids that do this, if someone's praying and it goes too long, you can hear the kids whispering "Amen, Amen, 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 Amen," or sometimes your kids don't whisper; they just shout out "Amen," right? Um, when I was younger, I could I was that kid at times because my my dad was really really good at short powerful prayers. He would be real short. So I remember being at someone's house, and they were praying, and they went, you know, like 30 seconds. And I was just like, amen, amen, come on, let's go. Amen. It's dinner time, right? <clears throat> I think that when we focus on our prayer, it helps us overcome that tendency to feel like maybe it's just dead time, or maybe not knowing where to go with it, but we can really break it down and say, this is how I can grow. This is how I can learn, because we're it into a way that keeps us focused. Prayer is not only important, but prayer is essential to our growth. It doesn't just say Jesus went away to spend time with God. Jesus prayed. All these people that we read through these passages, they went away and prayed and had time with God because they knew it was essential. And sometimes people will think like they're not praying long enough. And I would say it's not about the length of your prayer. It's just about the quality time that you are spending with God. If, if, if someone saying I prayed for 20 minutes freaks you out, man, try starting praying for two. Just start somewhere and see how that grows and how that changes because you're setting that time to spend with God. And maybe you're thinking uh, when you're praying, you're doing the whole squirrel thing every time someone, <clears throat> someone comes and says something. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if we take time every now and then to write down this process, scripture, observation, application, and prayer, you can see how because you're writing things down, it can totally revolutionize how you structure your prayer life. Something can start with a list and then evolve and grow into something more organic the more you practice it. But often, like anything, it takes effort. It's interesting that the disciples never went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, teach us how to do miracles. Jesus, teach us how to do this. But what did they say? They said, Jesus... Teach us how to pray. They saw how important prayer was to Jesus. They saw him leaving and praying, and that was their question. They said, their request, can you teach us how to pray? And so we're going to break down today the Lord's Prayer, because Jesus gives them kind of an outline on what to do when they pray. Matthew chapter 6, 5-8, through eight, we find the Lord's Prayer. A lot of you may know this, and you can probably you know just quote it by heart, but we're going to break it down a little bit here. But the whole thing in bulk says this, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen." Then your father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like the pagans, for they do not for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So I love that Jesus' several Jesus' statements start with, "And when you pray, do not." He's kind of breaking down the stereotypes behind prayer, right? He says that there are ways to, to, to pray poorly, but he gave us an approach with the right attitude. And it says this, Matthew 6, starting in uh, verse 9, he says, this is how you should pray. He doesn't say, this is what you should pray. He says, this is how you should pray. I don't think this, this as we go through the Lord's Prayer line for line here, doesn't say, um, say these words every single time. But he gives the outline for, this is the context, This is is how I want your heart to to be working as you pray to me. So he says this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I love that. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I think an important time in our prayer, when we break it down, take time to praise God. When we start praying, take time to acknowledge, man, how great he is, how much he loves you, what he's done for you. And I think sometimes we we skip that phrase. Our, Our prayers can often turn into right away. It's like, oh, God, help me. Right off the bat, or God, I need this. God, give me this. And sometimes we end up turning God into Santa Claus. Seriously, you know, saying, God, you know, I, I want this, want this, want this. Instead of saying, you know, when Jesus said this is how you should pray, first off, let's give some praise. Let's just give some praise to God. Thanksgiving for what he's done. Man, if God is really on the throne, let's start the conversation all about him. Not about us. Let's keep it focused on him. Man, let's think through the past day, the 24 hours. Think of the blessings he sent us in that day. Uh, think of the blessings that you know maybe are coming down the road because of the way he's working in your life. Maybe you've just read some scripture. You were doing the soap thing. You, know, you read some Psalms maybe where it's all praising God. You just get to say, you know what, God, today, I'm just gonna praise you. But let's, let's start by keeping God the focus. The next verse says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What this is really saying is when we pray, Make sure we're committing ourselves to doing God's will, not ours. Make sure we're committing ourselves to doing God's will, not ours. Put our focus on God's purposes. Make our purposes God's purposes. This is a great time uh, to pray for God's will in family, God's will in church, God's will at work, in your neighborhood, in your city. Pray that, you know what, God, I'm here. I'm ready to be used by you and what you want is best. We see Jesus did this in scripture when he said, you know what, there's any other way to take this from me, but I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus told the disciples this, and then he modeled it on his last night. He said, pray for God's will. Let your kingdom come. We remind, we get to talk with God, and we say, God, this is not about him joining us. This is about us joining him in his purpose. I noticed that in the first two verses, the word your is mentioned three times, while the word my is not mentioned at all that your will be done. God cares deeply about you and wants you to pray, but he wants our focus to be on him. Then it says, give us this day our daily bread. I love that this is saying we get to ask God for provision. We get to ask him to, hey, you know, we we ask for these things that we need to get through our day. Um, I love to think about my schedule for the day and lift up my to-do list and say, you know what, God? Here's every meeting I have on the calendar. Here's the the, the business things, the personal things. Here's the schedule I have. God, I would love for you to be able to provide me with what I need to get through my day. I know the more specific I make my prayers, the more clearly I get to hear God answering as well. I get to say, God, bless the staff meeting. Bless this meeting with the board. Bless, bless my meeting at lunch today. Bless my, my coffee date. Bless my sermon prep. And I know that when I ask God to accomplish certain things, I then get to pinpoint and give him praise when I see those things accomplished because I know that he is listening to what I'm saying. <clears throat> if I'm meeting with, with someone and I'm unsure if that person has a personal relationship with God, I get to pray to God, give me an opportunity. Open that door where I get to talk to this person today about having an encounter with you. And then when that prayer gets answered, I get to go back and say, God, you orchestrated that meeting. You were in that meeting. Thank you so much for what you did. I love giving God credit for what he's done and making sure he's, I know that he's the one giving me everything I need through my day. If I'm going to be working on my, my message for the weekend, which happens every week, right, I pray for a moment in preparation. I say, God, as I'm, as I'm preparing this moment today, can you blow me away with something that doesn't come from me? Blow me away with something that I know as I'm writing, it's like, wow, that was from you. This is something that you want to communicate. And then after church, I get to go home and say, man, God spoke today. That wasn't me, that was really God. And that's so cool to see him do those things. Pray for God to give you what you need to get through your day. Then we have forgive us our debts we receive this amazing grace and forgiveness from God. Often we refer to it um, as a pardon, a pardon for your sins, being forgiven for what you've done. I can think We can think through the past 24 hours of our day and say, you know what, God? Reveal to me things that I've done. Maybe you know what you did. You're <laughs> like, you know what you did, right? Maybe that could be, you know what you did. Or maybe there's something that you know. You look back at, you say, God, reveal something to me, and he, he can. You can say, you know what? This was something that happened today that, that really wasn't what I wanted for you. And you get to say, you know what, God, I receive your mercy. I receive your grace, and, and, and help me make that better. Help me work through my, my life in this, God. Forgive me of my debts as we forgive our debtors. I think um, it's really, really important to make a list of people to pray for, specifically people that maybe have hurt you or people that you know you have hurt. We get to say, you know what, God, I forgive these people for what they've done, forgive me for what I've done to them as well. Forgive me for my debts. This is a great opportunity to pray, to pray specifically for what you hope will happen in someone else's life. And then last, we get to pray for protection. I truly believe this. If, if you dive in, if you want to get serious about growing and saying, you know what, I'm going to push away distractions. I'm going to make this. I'm going I'm to focus through these things. You really know what you just did? Don't mean this in a scary way, but it's just a true thing. You just said, I'm going to I'm going to I want God to build me. I'm going to go to battle for God. Someone else just said, "Well, I'm going to battle as well then." Someone else just said, "If you're going to get serious about your walk with God, I'm probably going to get serious about trying to throw distractions at you because there's there is someone out there. The enemy of your soul does not want you to grow deep. He wants you to stay where you are or even backslide a little bit. He doesn't want you to get deeper." So when you say, I'm going to get deeper, man, be prepared for distractions to come. In all seriousness, I've heard so many stories about people saying, all right, I was going to do this, I set my alarm, and then suddenly um, this started happening in the mornings, and then this started happening, and things distracted me. And I was like, you know what, it's probably not a coincidence that the day you decided to get more serious, something else started getting in the way. Be prepared for distractions. Be prepared to go forward with it. I know that the more you get serious about it, the more the enemy can throw different distractions at you. Not saying every distraction will be from the enemy, but be prepared for it. Expect it so you know how to battle back. Expect it so you can say, nope, my God is greater and we can overcome this because he already overcame every distraction. He already overcame the world. Now, in in the Lord's Prayer, this is obviously not the only way to pray, but this is one way. And what if we decided that for for two weeks even, made a commitment that we're going to spend 15 minutes a day, 10, 15 minutes a day, breaking through prayer. Just like that, you know, pray for, pray for your, your, be forgiven for your debts, praise God, ask for daily bread. But you say, you know, I'm just gonna spend a couple minutes on each one of these. And ultimately you start seeing how your prayer life can evolve and grow. And like the people in scripture we see, it turns into something that we know fills us instead of drains us. Something we look forward to instead of dreading. Now again, getting ultra practical today. Here are some things that I think everybody needs to do, especially if you decide today. If you, if you leave here today and say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to push distractions aside. I'm going to dive in. I know God wants me to grow. I want to be healthy. I'm going to be challenged. I'm going to do it. Here are two things you should do. One, select a time. Seriously, write it down. This is the time I'm going to do it every single day. This is when I'm going to be able to devote some time and I'm going to go for it. Think about the areas in your life. We always schedule what's important, right? When we have a meeting coming up, we have a work project coming up. There's things coming up. I know um, I'm working really, really hard to put everything on my calendar. My wife and I share a calendar so we're not double booking because I I like triple book myself all the time. But the really important things, we schedule. Um, I I love it when, uh, when we plan out a vacation. What's on the calendar? Man, big, bold letters. We're going on vacation, right? If we want to get serious about our walk with God and growing, schedule it. Select a time and put it in big, bold letters on your calendar. This is when I am going to do this. Most examples in scripture are people getting up early in the morning. That doesn't work for everybody, but I do think that there's something to be said about getting up early in the morning. I know that I like to read in the mornings as preferred to the afternoon or evenings because uh, I heard this phrase, it says the best time to tune your instrument is to play it before the concert, not after the concert. And for me, I'm like, man, if, if my life is the concert for the day, I've got to get it tuned before I dive into it. Select a time, it's important. Second, select a place. In the, in the opening passage, we were about Jesus in the, in the garden, right? Listen to how it starts. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And in your Bibles, if you have that, underline that line as usual. This was his place. He had a place that he liked to go to, that he wanted to go to, that was special to him. This was not the first time he had been to the garden to pray. I think the same principle should be applied for us when we say, I'm gonna try and get away from distractions. Select a place. Maybe it's in your house or maybe it's in a room. Maybe It's somewhere that is free from distraction for that time that you had set where you know, I get to spend time with God in silence and solitude. Man, there's that S word again that drives me nuts. Silence and solitude because it's important, but find a place that means something to you. And just to make sure we're on the same page, your living room with sports center on is probably not the best place to do it. Saying I'm going to do it Monday morning, watching the football highlights or the finals highlights is probably not the best time to have your quiet time. You're going to get distracted. Been there, right? Find a quiet place to have some quality good time with God. And I know that we're all coming from different places and different spiritual journeys, right? We're all in different areas in our walk with life. For some of you, like I said, this could be brand new. This could be something, maybe you've never heard these things before. For some of you, this is a refresher, but I think no matter where we are, this is important. Maybe you've never spent intentional time with God alone. Maybe you can look back and say, I've never really done that. Just said, disconnect, unplug, I'm just gonna spend time with God. But it's important. If this is a review for you and you feel like I'm preaching to the choir, that's great. That's great. I love that we got to go through this together and um, I look forward to talking to you about what are you learning? Where are you growing? I love it when people tell me what they've read and what they've learned. It fills me up in amazing ways. I'm confident that there are many in-between people maybe who do this sometimes. Maybe you say, I gotta do this more and I would say, make that commitment. Do it. Set the time, set the place and do it. Make this a consistent part of our lives. It is that important because again, God loves you as you are, but he wants you to grow like to invite the worship team back up as we get ready to close this morning. And here's, here's my challenge for all of us today, the challenge for you all personally and and for me. Let's, let's do this together. Would you, for the next month, test this out? Would you, for the next month, test this? In Psalms 34.8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you just went through a Bible reading plan for the next four weeks, What would change? I think, honestly, if you decided I'm going to set this plan and I'm going to test it for the next next month, I think you'll be blown away when you see how much God responds when we intentionally take that time with him. Would you guys all stand with me today? Rick Warren shares in his book, uh, Purpose Driven Life, a few of the things that God's word does in our life, and I think they're so true. Rick Warren says this, he says, God's word generates life, it creates faith, it produces change. It frightens the devil. That's one of my favorite ones. Frightens the devil. It causes miracles. It heals hurts. It builds character, transforms circumstances, imparts joy, overcomes adversity, defeats temptation, infuses hope, releases power, and cleanses your mind. If you knew there was something that you could do that would do all of that stuff, And we'd just be excited to dive into it. I know I get excited diving into it, especially that whole frightens the devil. man. the one who makes it his goal to derail you, you get to scare him. That's really, really cool. Take time this next month. Test it out. Say, hey, for the next four weeks, I'm gonna commit to a plan. Your Bible apps. If you don't have it, man, it's a free easy app. There's plans in there. You can click on it, and it'll break down a four-week study, five-week study, six-week study. It gives you verses to read. It gives you conversation to have. You can get a buddy. You can add friends, read it together, and comment on it together. Not even in the same room. You just get to leave comments. It's amazing what we can do when we say intentionally, God, I'm going to spend time with you. And if we do these things, it can help us stay focused and not have those scroll moments because we have a plan. Go at it with a plan and watch what God can do. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that, that you are here for us and that, uh, that we get the privilege of spending time with you. God, I thank you that you haven't called us to stay stagnant. You haven't called us to stay where we are, but you are continually challenging us to move and grow. And God, I ask uh, that, that us as a church, we all take this, even just this next month, as a big step to say we are going to start doing this daily. We're going to start spending time with you. We're going to make this a priority. God, we put it in all caps on our calendar. We say this is too big to let pass because you are too big to not be a part of. God so I pray that that we feel challenged we feel we feel convicted in a good way to make you a priority and that this next season we see you work in incredible ways personally and corporately here at Celebration Church. We thank you God. We love you and everybody said. Amen. Amen.